John chapter 13, starting at verse 31. As soon as Judas left the room, Jesus said, The time has come for the Son of Man to enter into his glory, and God will be glorified because of him. And since God receives glory because of the Son, he will give his own glory to the Son, and he will do so at once. Dear children, I will be with you only a little longer. And as I told the Jewish leaders, you will search for me, but you can't come where I am going. So now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Simon Peter asked, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus replied, you can't go with me now, but you will follow me later. But why can't I come with you now, Lord? He asked. I'm ready to die for you. Jesus answered, die for me? I tell you the truth, Peter. Before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny three times that you even know me. I went back and listened to a bit of uh, the very opening sermon from when we kicked off our series here in the book of John. Um, And in that message, uh, Larissa shared this story about about the Apostle John, who obviously writes um, this gospel. She said that when he was... And when he was older, uh, and he was would visit congregations and, and church communities, he would um, be carried in by other believers in, into these gatherings um, because he was unable to, to carry himself. And as he was brought in, he would always have the same message on his lips. And he would always tell the assembly, little children love one another. It got to the point where his disciples would get tired of this because it was always the same things. And so the way that Jerome uh, talks about this in his commentaries is is that when the disciples got tired of this, they would ask, Master, why do you always say this? And he would respond, It is the Lord's command. If this alone be done, it is enough. John's life, his message, his writings so often revolve around this theme. Love one another. Love one another. That if we are in Christ, then it means that we love our brothers and sisters who are in Christ. Um, As we talk about this this morning, what I actually want to do is is look at the very first verse here uh, in, in chapter 13. Chapter 13, which uh, Pastor Larissa uh, preached on last week, is the the story of the washing of the disciples' feet as Jesus clothes himself in in the clothing of a servant and stoops before his disciples in this radical demonstration of his love and his service to them. At the very opening, though, of of this, this chapter, you hear these words written by the Apostle John. It says, Before the Passover celebration... Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world and return to his father. He had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth, and now he loved them to the very end. As we get into this message that is going to be on loving one another, uh, 
that I think it's important that we highlight what I believe is foundational here for John. And what he highlights here in, in verse 1 is that Jesus' love is for us is perfect and complete. It's full. It is, it is what he is filled with. It spans time. It's unending and unshifting. That, that over the course of his ministry here on earth with the disciples, until the very end, again, speaking of that wholeness and that completion, he loves us with. He has always loved us. He, he will always love us. That that is the foundation of anything. And so, so Jesus' love is our course of study. This is our curriculum. That we would become more and more aware of how he loves us. What he has done to us and what he has done within us. That we should become shocked like the Apostle Peter does when Jesus stoops down before him and begins to wash his feet. This place of saying, what are you doing? This feels so inappropriate. When I consider who you are and who I am, who am I that you would wash my feet? Right, that that becomes the posture of our lives, this place of constantly being won over by Jesus's love, that we would become shocked by how much he loves us. That as his disciples, that maybe we use the words that is, as he is our mentor and our rabbi and our teacher, what is it that he is longing to show us? What is it that he's longing to demonstrate to us? It is the fullness, the completeness, the wholeness of his love for us. And that that wouldn't just become head knowledge, right? That that wouldn't just become like, like something that we can fill in a circle on on a Scantron. But we are saying not filling in the circle on the Scantron, but it's something that begins to fill our lives, becomes to invade every space of who we are and what we understand. Because highlighted here, specifically in this section that we're looking at, you see the way that Peter gets it wrong. He, Peter comes and, and he says, Jesus, I'll die for you. And, and, and Jesus' response, so loving and gracious, turns him and says, you're going to die for me? And, and what you see is that, that Peter is trying to love out of his own strength and determination. He's trying to show that within himself, he, he has enough determination and allegiance and commitment to Jesus that he will be able to follow Jesus in the way that he's going. Peter thinks that he's the one that will be capable of doing the sacrificing. And, and, and Jesus causes, him, causes a, an understanding here to be right side up by asking the question, you'll die for me, right? In the way, what, what we can understand is that Jesus is causing us to, un, to know, no, it always has to be the other way around. I am doing the dying for you. Because in ourselves, we are incapable of loving the way that Jesus is instructing us to love. In this narrative, you'll see this in Peter, and you'll see it 
in Judas that our love and our commitment and our regard for one another is so capricious. It is so shifting. It is so changing, right? Because even here, Jesus acknowledges with Judas, like, no, you're, you're going to betray me. And with Peter, you're going to deny me. Like within ourselves and in our own strength, we will not be able to fulfill this commandment that Jesus is giving to us. Because in ourselves, we're incapable of doing so. But our love happens out of our fullness, not out of our strength. Jesus tells Peter, listen, you won't follow me now, but you will actually be able to follow me later. And what's the difference maker? What is it that happens and changes and shifts within Peter's life to where now he actually is able to die for Jesus, to sacrifice his life, to lay down his life in his commitment and allegiance to his Lord and friend. Well, it's going to be this discourse that we're going to be in over the next few weeks. It's this discourse where Jesus is, is telling us and, and, and causing us to understand that we are meant to abide in him that we're meant to constantly stay connected with him and that he's giving us his spirit. And, and it's through this, this discourse that we'll see again over a handful of weeks that we recognize that, that our love for one another can only properly happen through the overflow of us being connected and in Jesus, abiding in his love for us. I am enabled to love you because of what Jesus has done for and in me. And you are enabled to love me because of what Jesus has done for and in you. See, the picture of the body of Christ is this understanding like this pinky is, is, is connected to the body. So it's connected to this other pinky, right? And so this, it's, these, these pinkies can never properly function one another if they're severed from the body and only united together, disconnected from the body. And it's this picture of being the body of Christ that says, because I am united to Jesus, I am united to all other members of the body. And my ability to regard and care and to serve other members of the body can only happen through my being connected to Jesus. But hear Jesus' command. You should want love one another. This is to say that even though under our own strength and determination and talent, we're unable to properly love one another, but we still have the will to love one another. We still make an effort to love one another always understanding that the foundation of our love for one another and the only way it will ever happen will be by understanding how he has loved us. 
little children, love one another like I have loved you love one another. I hope these words for you are staggering. I hope these words for you are, are, are shocking. That we're not just to love others. That we're not just to love one another like we love ourselves. But we're meant to love others like Jesus has loved us. How has Jesus loved me? And this is a question that we must always, always return to. How has Jesus loved me? And the multiple answers to this question becomes the basis for how we live. In his book, Life Together, Dietrich Bonhoeffer writes this. When God was merciful, when he revealed Jesus Christ to us as our brother, when he won our hearts by his love, this was the beginning of our instruction in divine love. When God was merciful to us, we learned to be merciful with our brethren. The, the, then when we received forgiveness instead of judgment, we too were made ready to forgive our brethren. What God did to us, we then owed to others. The more we received, the more we were able to give. And the more meager our brotherly love, the less we were living by God's mercy and love. Thus God himself taught us to meet one another as God has met us in Christ. This understanding that says the love that God shows us becomes deeply formative in our lives, begins to shape who we are. And it's also instructive to us for how we regard the people around us. We are lavished with his love. Then we have this thought. This is a really good way to relate with one another, and I wonder what it would look like to treat others how Jesus is treating me. This is the command. Love one another like I have loved you. Have you ever asked yourself this question? What is God's will for my life? What is it that he would have me to do? We get a really big answer right here in John chapter 13. That we come to know the fullness and the completeness of his love for us. And then we understand then we are meant to love one another. Thinking about 1 Corinthians 13 that I can do all of these incredible things, but if I have not love, then it's meaningless. Listen, I can have right theology. I could preach better than T.D. Jakes or Billy Graham. I could lead a crowd of people to incredible acts of community service. I could give millions of dollars to our global partners. But if I don't have love, 
then it's pointless. And when, I, when you hear that, this is the way that I want you to hear it. If I don't have love, if I am not loved and, and, and if I am not shaped by God's love for me, and if I don't have love for those around me, then it becomes meaningless. Listen, this is what is meant to set us apart. This is what is meant to be the identifying marker of who we are as followers of Jesus. How will the world know you? Look, listen, I, like you, I, I want it to be said of me. He knows Jesus. When I see Vince, I see someone that has spent time with Jesus. And what's the way that people will actually conclude that? That I have been mentored and discipled by Jesus? It'll be by the way that I love you. And intuitively, that makes sense, doesn't it? That when you spend time with Jesus, the shape of your life starts looking like what we see in him. To really, really spend time with Jesus means that our hearts are won over to his way of being. So I, I long for our love for one another to be how the world sees us. That, that our testimony and our preaching and our declarations of who Jesus is finds its power in being a people who naturally have no business being around each other and loving each other with the same fervency that Jesus loves us with. with. The picture of the church, when you look through the pages of Scripture, is of wildly different people being united in Christ. People who are at odds with one another. People who have historically mistreated one another. Loving each other with the same love that Jesus has, has loved them with. See, the goal of, 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 of Christian community isn't uniformity, but it is unity. The goal isn't for us to be the same, but it's to say with all of our differences... And the diversity amongst us, we radically love each other. Because we stop and we identify. Thank God that he doesn't love me because I agree with him in every space of my life. Can you imagine? Maybe not just asking ourselves, how did he love us? But we ask ourselves the question, when did he love us? When did he love us? He loved us when we were Judas. He loved us when we were Peter. While we were yet enemies. And I recognize now, even in the, if there are spaces in my life where I have it wrong. If I knew what those spaces were, I would abandon them. But there are. There's just got to be spaces in my life where I have it wrong. But I know that Jesus still wholly loves me. There are areas in my life currently where I am wildly different than Jesus. 
but he still withholds nothing from me. He is fully given over to me. And so our love and our commitment to one another can never be based on how much we get along, how much we agree with each other, root for the same teams, vote for the same person. It's not based on any of that, but it's based on how Jesus has loved us. And so because he has loved me, I'm going to extend that to you. And because he has loved you, you're going to extend that to me. I think about my first time ever hanging out with the staff here at Faith Community Church. It was at a Padres game. They were doing a staff get together. This was all the way in the year in 2006. And I'm a Dodger fan. <laughs> and I even think I wore a Dodger hat to the Padres games. The Dodgers weren't even playing and I wore a Dodgers hat. And here I am amongst the staff just hanging out. Larissa was on staff at the time and we were dating, so I got, I got invited. And here I, am, here I am hanging out amongst the staff, rivals to them. Yet I get invited in. Because their invitation to me wasn't based on anything but the fact that we saw Jesus in one another. And we recognize the way that he has loved us. And maybe that's a little bit more of a silly and ridiculous example of the ways that we love each other, despite the ways that we are different and diverse um, and even disagree with one another. But, but the point remains the same, the same that we love one another the way that Jesus loves us. Because the statement to the world that we long to make is for them to conclude, man, if those people are hanging out together, that's probably the place that I will find Jesus. That must be the place where Jesus is at. That that looks, that community of people, that looks, that looks like Jesus. Let's pray. Father, May we become more aware of your love and your delight in us. May we know how you are filled with so much joy because of us. And would be shocked by your love for us. And that that would be so formative to who we are. We pray that in your name. Amen.